and trains, and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. We're getting ready to have a live spectrum. What we were trying to say, you got to walk home, walk home, walk home. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. To reach Devin Wade with a question or comment, follow him on Twitter at Wade's Be a part of the group on Facebook by joining the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group or liking the page. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, our final podcast of 2016. I want to thank you guys for supporting us early on with Fledgling Podcast. We're just getting rolling here. And with that in mind, we've been added to TuneIn. So in addition to you, if you're listening on iTunes or on SoundCloud, you can now access us on TuneIn as well. For the uh, the final show, want to bring in Biscuit Jordan Wade. He's in the building. How are you, Biscuit? Good. I'm enjoying this uh, this holiday season. It's almost over. I'm, I'm happy about that. Ah, uh, yeah. Now you gotta do the hard work of paying bills. Yeah. And I want to bring in also former NFL linebacker Eddie Robinson, who is a frequent guest on the show. And you know, guys, uh, how are you? And how was Christmas for you, Eddie? Oh, you know, Christmas is for kids, so it was it was good for me. <laughs> and my kids are older, so I'm buying big gifts. Yeah, you know, right. Big beat, ticket items. Power Beat 3, you know, cars, stuff like that. So, yes. yeah, Christmas needs to get out of here. Yeah, yeah, you ready for it to be over. Well, you know, I, I, I fancy myself like a uh, Andy Griffin. I have built this community, and I and I bring guys like Biscuit and, and, and the Silver Fox, Kevin Allen, and, and Eddie. And, hey, well, I bring you guys in. To share with the world so you can, uh, you know, share your unique perspectives. So that's a big deal. Now, I've been sick for a couple of weeks, so Christmas has been rough for me this year. I'm still recovering, so it's been a, a brief hiatus. Uh, it's only been because I hadn't been able to to uh, actually talk. And so, I mean, it's debatable how good I am at 100%, but at about 50%, it's a, a lot more difficult. But before we, uh, we obviously are excited about 2017, you have to be after such a dreadful 2016. We want to sort of recap 2016 and get into some of the issues and some of the things that really shaped 2016 and and really uh, will help sort of shape the future with some of the things that have happened. In, in talking a little bit about 2016, you know, we talked about this on the show a little bit earlier. With the NBA, obviously your champions are uh, were the Denver Broncos. And, and we can actually, if you want to start there, we can talk well, about that's it. NFL. You just said NBA. Well, yeah, I know. I, yeah, so let's start with the Super Bowl. Okay, Let, with, with the first champ, uh, I, we saw the end of an era for me uh, with Peyton Manning mm-hmm. uh, retiring after that game, and really just a stellar defensive performance. You had a uh, an exceptional Carolina Panthers team that went into that game. You thought that that was the beginning of what was going to be a dynasty in a few months. Later, that whole thing fell apart. Biscuit, your thoughts uh, on, on really the beginning of the year with the Super Bowl uh, concluding last football season? Uh, I mean, it, it was exciting to see Peyton Manning go out on a, on a winning note. Uh, he's He was more of a game manager. Like you said, it was more of a defensive effort. Uh, you, you see in 2016 the the, the hangover for the, the Super Bowl loser kind of continue on. You also see it with the, uh, in this particular year the, the – the uh, Super Bowl champs may not make the the playoffs, so it's 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 been interesting. It, it was good to good to see how amazing to see defense really kind of show its face back in the NFL again. Well, I mean, again, that, that performance by Vaughn Miller, and as a former NFL linebacker, Eddie, 
I mean, that performance by by Von Miller and Demarcus Ware and 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 Talib and and I mean that whole man that defense, it's a it's a special thing. It, I always equate that back to like watching Pedro Martinez or or, or Greg Maddox pitch. It's a it's a thing of art, and to see them do what they did not only to Carolina but to New England in the conference championship. How much? I mean, I know you had a great appreciation for it. Yeah, I mean, because uh, I mean, Vaughn Miller is just that guy. I mean, he's just you know kind of like the the Derek Thomas, Lawrence Taylor type guy. You know, if you block him with one person, he's gonna make you pay. And he just seems to be that clutch player. When you need the big play, he steps up and make it. You know, crucial third down, big play. Here he comes, sack, force, fumble. You know, doing those type of things. But yeah, that defensive effort. You know, without a doubt, and you know, Wade Phillips, you have to. You know, think about all of the the Bum Phillips, Houston Oilers, Love You Blue right. Days, all of the big losses he had. He was in Buffalo for the Music City Miracle when I was with the on, Titans. Yeah, he was on the other side, side of the field. So, I mean, the guy had a lot of tough playoff losses. So, I think you, know, you see guys like that, and you have coaches and, and players, you have to root for them and say, hey, man, it's good that he finally got one. Well, what came out of that, Brock Osweiler got paid as a result of of that success. And, I, you know, and it's a weird thing, but – you know, and we can get more in, into those sorts of things, but uh, I, I think really the downturn for Carolina came starting with the post game of the Super Bowl, and Cam had kind of really gotten vilified, and and he just hadn't been able to to pull himself out of that it, really in the media spotlight. I mean, and obviously you the offensive issues are the problem in Carolina. Lose Josh Norman, another a number of other guys on defense, uh, either gone or injured. It just it just hadn't gone well. Talk a little bit about Cam and that that Super Bowl and really his year, his 2016. Well, I think if you look at the Carolina Panthers as is, they they probably they weren't as good as they were and they're not as bad as they are this year. Right. I don't think they were a, a Super Bowl quality team, but they got on a hot streak and they made it to the Super Bowl. Right. But they're not as bad as they are now. They're, they're not a three or four win team, but that's what the record says. And they're somewhere in the middle. But my thing with the Panthers, when you have an offense that's so predicated on the success of one player, Cam Newton, fantastic player, but defensive coordinators, when you are now a Super Bowl championship team, we're going to start watching film on you. We'll figure out how to beat one player. Right. You tell any defensive coordinator, if you got one player, we'll stop one guy. Now, if you got a second and third guy, then I may have trouble trying to stop all three. So I think what you're seeing is just the defensive have have evolved with the whole read option and things that Cam was doing well, catching guys by surprise. Now it's like, okay, we have special stuff to stop you. What else can you do? And Carolina hasn't showed up with a what else can we do type thing. And and when you're not winning, that's when all the discontent happens. That's when – you know, the coach tells you, hey, put your bow tie on and it becomes a big deal because you're not winning. Right. If you're winning, it's all, hey, man, put your bow tie. We good. We winning. But when you're not winning and coaches start to critique everything, players start to press, the media starts to ask what's happening, and then all of a sudden it blows up. But I think they'll be back again next year. But well, yeah, of course, because yeah. guess what happens next year? Now they get a fourth-place schedule. Right. They get a high draft pick, a fourth-place schedule, and, you know, they'll make some adjustments. And I, I think people have really – uh, begrudge Carolina for not adding more offensive you pieces around right. him. And that's actually kind of been, uh, not to get totally uh, on a different track, but that's sort of been a criticism for a lot of African-American quarterbacks not having the pieces uh, around them. I mean, it's debatable, and I'll ask you maybe about this. Uh, I, let me ask you about uh, McNair. At one time, I mean, obviously you had Eddie George 
But before he really got going, I, you know, people thought he should have had more offensive weapons around. Well, because it, it was a defensive team. And what people don't realize, I mean, we were expecting them to score 13 points. And at that point, we were expected to win the game. Right. I mean, even the year when the Ravens run the Super Bowl, what people don't know is that we still had the number one ranked defense in the NFL. Of course, we lost to the Ravens in the, in yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, that was a brutal, with brutal a, with game. With a Trent Dilfer at quarterback, but it was, you know – a a touchdown on a blocked field goal, an interception by Ray Lewis. So it was, it was nothing we could do. We can't, we can't play defense on the sideline. It was almost like we could have just played defense the whole game. <laughs> we would have had a better chance to win. But I think what happened with with Steve and, and that whole that, team that was the Ray Lewis Eddie George game, right? Correct. Yeah, when they just so, had that, the epic battle that didn't go Eddie's way. But Eddie's my guy. I, so I let's, take let's go behind the curtain on that one. It seemed like he, they, the offense and he in particular was a little intimidated by 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 Ray and, and those guys were able to get in his head. Well, that that whole AFC Central back then, you know, you had the, the Steelers, right? You know, of course, the, the uh, Ravens, us. Cincinnati, I mean, everybody, it was just hardcore defense with a big bruising running back right. and an average quarterback. And so it was just pretty much you're going to run the ball 40 times a game, pass 20 if you needed to. And so, but that defense that they had, it was to me, it was the defensive line that really made it. I mean, Ray, Goosa yeah, and Ray, Ray Lewis ran sideline to sideline and, <laughs> and made tons of tackles and made his plays. But when the defensive line wasn't playing well, then the then, you know, defense couldn't do it. But I mean, overall, good defense, but like I said, we were still the number one ranked defense in the league that year, but that's considered one of the best defenses ever, but it's a team sport, and what you always try to get young guys to realize, winning Super Bowls is always going to trump anything that you can do individually as an offense, defense, or as a player, because the first thing that they're always going to introduce you as Super Bowl winner, da, 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 you know what I'm saying, it's not 10 Pro Bowls, whatever, it's Super Bowl winner, and so, right. and then that's why everybody wants to win the Super Bowl. But you know, I I think with Steve, the the one thing that happened, what people don't realize is that, you know, we drafted Kevin Dyson, but we had a chance to draft. Uh, what's my guy who went to Minnesota? Moss. Moss had Randy a chance Moss. to draft Randy Moss, yeah. but being the you know clean cut. Houston Oilers moving Tennessee Titans, but trying to clean up the image for Nashville. So you think about it, you know, it's like the what else in the draft, kind of like you know the Michael Jordan, Sam Perkins. So what if we would have drafted Randy Moss and then you had a Steve McNair with a Randy Moss as opposed to Kevin Dyson had a solid career, but of course he was no Randy Moss is a Hall of Fame, right? Right. So it's totally different. And so that team and we tried to get a Yancey Thigpen and an old Carl Pickens, right? But we never really got that guy for Steve McNair to have, except for Wycheck, who who led the team in receptions yeah. year after year. But I mean, it was yeah, it, you it, can't it, say it didn't work. The only thing could have kept Randy Moss out of the Hall of Fame was a Jeff Fisher offense, and that and that and so <laughs> and so had we had a Randy Moss, you're probably right. Randy Moss probably would have never received all of the accolades because either two things would have happened. If he wouldn't have got the ball, he would have got mad, so he probably right. got traded or ran out of town right. or something else like that. But. You would have VY'd him. I tell people, hey, what should have happened, happened. You can't go back in the past. Right. You had a question? <laughs> yeah, I was wondering. Devin kind of danced around him, you know, but people say if you hit Eddie George, his game was over. Is that true, Eddie? As a, as a teammate, Eddie George, I tell you like this. Uh, I look at him and Steve McNair in the same way. They're F-150s. Old, reliable, down in the, in the South Texas mud, mm. dirt, work truck. They going to crank every time. They right. may put a dent in the fender. You know, broken glass in the back, but they gonna crank. Right. So, give me that because what I what I what I say about Eddie George is that he always rung the bell. The guy didn't miss any games. Right. I don't care what. And you talking about a guy that was toting it 25, 30, 35 times a game. 
So it was it was a, a physical aspect of it. You know, I think what happened with that whole Ravens defense was just the game and the intensity of the Ravens was probably not matched by the intensity of the offense. Right. And we didn't have an offense that had that guy. You know, you got to have somebody who's the idiot, you know, the the clown who don't mind starting a fist fight, who's going to go down that dark alley with you. Right, right. So Eddie George didn't have a guy on offense that was going to walk down that dark alley with him. Right. And you need that guy. I mean, if you got to turn around, no, he ain't going to run. Right. And all of the tough guys on that team was on defense. You know, the Josh Evans, you know, saying the Greg Favors, those right. guys. You know, they're not household names, but they'll get there with you. So <laughs> right. the the problem that happened in that game, to me, the, the other tough guy we had on that team was Lorenzo Neal. Lorenzo right. Neal would go toe-to-toe, and, and you talk about somebody tapping their hat. Oh, Lorenzo Neal and uh, Ray Lewis. Oh, Lorenzo Neal, 10 out of 10. And, and low, <laughs> low Daddy will tell you, he ride out on Ray Lewis. I mean, you got some – if you want to watch the Ray Lewis low lights, you watch him and Low Neal in the box one-on-one. Lorenzo Neal just a bulldog, and, and he didn't mind. I mean, that's all he wanted. It was just pure contact. Run, lead, weak. 20 times in a row because I know my neck's stronger than your neck. You know what I'm right. saying? <laughs> and so, but when we started going to like the one back extra tight ends, you take low Lorenzo Neal out of the game, then you get Eddie George who get exposed to getting hit one-on-one with Ray Lewis. Now you say what you want, man. Ray Lewis was a, a, a great linebacker. And if you get him unblocked, play after play after play, oh, he's going to bring his bring reach your lunch. And I think that's what happened with, with Eddie George. He was just getting the guy that's unblocked. And, and when you're running around the corner with that defense, you got a Ray Lewis coming unblocked, man, that ain't fun. You know right, right. <laughs> Shifting gears here and, and talking about 2016, the NBA, my most disappointing loss of 2016 was, was Golden State going up 3-1, Draymond Green being dismissed from a game. Uh, and, and subsequently what happened after that postseason – now, what's the biggest story? And I'll start with you, Biscuit. The biggest story. Was the biggest story Cleveland winning the championship? or And I'm talking about moving forward. Mm-hmm. Or, or the biggest uh, – uh, LeBron winning the championship in, in the NBA Finals. Or what happened afterwards with Durant joining Golden State and assembling I think, I a I think right team. now is the biggest story is Durant going to uh, Golden State. But I think in, in, in terms of history and historic, you know, years separated from now, it's going to be that that they, they came back from 3-0 to win, which had never been done 3-1. in 3-1 in, in, in the NBA Finals, which had never been done in the NBA Finals. <laughs> LeBron brought a championship to Cleveland, which had been – they never had one in basketball. I just cannot – you know, I, that is just – I, you know, I don't know. I, and other than Steph Curry, obviously was hurt and not playing well at the end. And there's uh, just mean, no way they should have. You can't make excuses. No, nah, you can't. Like, they they lost I mean, the game. He had a tough playoffs run. The whole playoff Steph Curry did he had tough. I mean, he would have flashes and have uh, certain games where he'd go off, but then he'd disappear. So I mean, it was happening consistently during the playoffs. So I mean, uh, you know, you know, and then Draymond Green with his his crotch kicking, you know, which we seen continue. Um, I mean, you you can't hurt your team. Like yeah, that. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't think you that know, it's. Well, let me kick you. No, no, no. I know how I feel about <laughs> okay. crotch kicking. I'm not sure that I, how intentional is that. Oh come on. I, I don't. I mean, oh, Eddie, you, Eddie. I mean, look at Bruce Bowen. Bruce Bowen used to put his foot underneath the guy when he that's came. Different. That's, that's different. That's different. Not different. That's this different. is not a Grayson Allen thing. I don't. I don't think it's the same as Grayson Allen at, at, at Duke. I, I don't. Even the one where he kicked Harden. 
I mean, I mean, I know you're a big basketball fan. Yeah, man, I'm 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 season ticket holder with the Rockets, and I'm I'm so anti Draymond Green, and so but my 12 year old he loves Draymond Green, so it's like we're going. I, I, I we're like constantly Draymond. going out because they come here to Houston just in a couple weeks, so of course we'll be at the game. So it's like it's two total opposite sides. So I'm I'm like biscuit every time I'm looking. I'm saying, man, why is Draymond Green kicking these guys? So he's kind of like a pseudo Dennis Rodman because he's not nearly as tough as Dennis Rodman. Nah. You know, or Ron Artest. But he tries to be like that so-and-so. He can be in today's NBA. In today's NBA. But yeah. he's like a quasi-tough guy. Right, I mean, right, you know, right. you know, so But, but yeah, it, I mean, when you, the, the thing about it is you have so many camera angles. He would have got away with it in the Bill Lambert era when you have two cameras, run from the side, run from the top. But you got 20 camera angles, and it goes super slow motion. You can see the flick of sweat coming off. So you can you can tell that the guy's intentions were bad, man. Well, I, like I said, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. We, we, we can debate that. But what's the biggest story, in your opinion? Was it the fact that LeBron brought the championship to Cleveland? And it's easy for us to – well, it's easy for me to dismiss it, A, because I'm not a LeBron fan, and – B, I, I'm, I don't care nothing about Cleveland. But is that a bigger story, or is it what has happened afterwards? Well, I think you have to have to have the Cleveland winning the championship right now. I mean, Cleveland has just been, when you say the mistake by late, other than the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Cleveland has had no success in no sport. <laughs> I mean, even my Saints, we won a Super Bowl. So, I mean, give the, the, the monkeys off our back. I say, but Cleveland has just had decades and decades of the fumble, you know, the 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 home runs, it's, everything is just always going bad. So I think, you know, Cleveland having that run and LeBron being from Akron and coming back home and after he left and you burned it, just just the the whole plot, like you couldn't write that in a book. I right, mean, so right. but so for that to happen, and that's like a, a made for Disney TV movie. So I mean, every everybody I would meet with a like even now, if I see a person with a Browns hat on, hey, you must be from Cleveland. Yeah, how'd you know? Because nobody likes the Browns <laughs> unless you are from Cleveland. <laughs> it's just it's no fans outside of the state of Ohio who root for those teams. So right. I mean, for them to win the championship is just like to me that's just huge, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's so. And I as I reflect, this is a reflective time of year on my life. There's so many moments in sports that will be remembered forever that I just totally despise. And that's one of them. Like, I, like you know, again, Music City Miracle, it means nothing to me. I didn't even watch that whole game. I don't remember. It. I think I saw the last play, but I know I didn't watch most of the game. Obviously, we had that that Houston Oilers kind of hangover. So it was, it, you know, I didn't want to root for them. I, was, I still uh, don't I was really up, want to root for them. I was upset that Doug Flutie didn't start, and he started Rob Johnson. I hated Wade Phillips from that moment but on. But you know, yeah, Flutie, it was Flutie's year. Yeah, and I and I love Wade Phillips from that moment yeah. on because Rob I Johnson mean, was, Rob Johnson, you know, no respect. I played with the guy in Jacksonville, cool, laid back surfer guy. He's yeah. probably on the beach right now in California. But I mean, Doug Flutie is not the guy that you want to chase around. All day long from a defensive player, right? You know, Even they, if he is five five, yeah, he's five five. But the guy's a competitor. I mean, he, he, he's on a, he's on the cornflake box here. You got fruity, right, <laughs> fruity right. flakes. I mean, it's just not a guy that you want to play because you the, the the playoffs is one of those things where it's the intangibles, the things that you don't expect that you can't control is what always seems to bite you. So why would you want and a guy in there that's so uncontrollable and unpredictable? You don't. He may throw a left-handed one play. You just don't want to deal with a guy like right, that. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and 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 that's why uh, I think Dallas will have some issues in, in the playoffs. I think there's some unpredictability. You are still up, up against Dallas. You are still hating on Dallas. No, I think I, I, – and I've come to say this because of Seattle's struggles. 
I think in my book they're clearly the favorites to go to the Super Bowl now. I never admitted that before because I didn't believe that before. Well, well, well that's, I, a, I'm, that's I'm a major step. Um, I, I'm concerned that Seattle just cannot. They, they're losing games. You 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 close these games out. These games that they have you know they have normally closed out and they've not gotten it done. They I think Earl Thomas is going to be. I think that's going to be the death nail for them because I you see them blowing coverages. And I just, you know. How but, did we go from Cowboys well, again, then? And then you, you shifted and molded the conversation to the, the Seahawks. Back to Seattle. So you can't mm-hmm. do that. Now, we, a couple weeks ago we were here. You were talking about, well, they may have to bench uh, Dak Prescott. Then he goes out. No, no, no. no I mean, it was getting see. to be he was starting to struggle. Right, he went which, a right, which we talked about and said, "Hey, this is sixteen, <laughs> you know, uh, sixteen weeks, you know, sixteen games. Everybody's not going to be perfect. You ready to bench Dak? The boys, come so, back. So hey, you want to know my latest theory that will lead to the demise? What? So, so Dak is probably not going to play a lot tomorrow. Okay, and Tony Romo plays and does well. No, no, no. Okay, no, no, what? Just the two weeks off, oh. and he's going to come back and, and struggle. And you know, so. you you, you got to take it in fact that he's you know he's a young guy, he's a rookie, he's coming from that from the college. He you know all the college players hit a wall, and so he had to bust through that wall, and he did. And then last week, I mean, a couple weeks ago, offensive explosion. Where, 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 I want to hear some like I'm sorry, uh, or I was happen. wrong, or no. I, I mean, I, I want to th- be accountable for the things that I say on this podcast. Something. I think I've been very consistent, and I, I mean, I don't think. But that that's called gonna... hate. That ain't. That ain't no, no. <laughs> called... I mean, when you, you can't know, see something that's happening, that's I that's, recognize, that... and even I said on the air earlier today. That yeah, you know yeah. You, and you sound so depressed. Your whole mood changed. You slumping down in your chair. I I, I cannot stand the. I really like for real. I mean, I, I it ain't a. But, but let me, I'm gonna a, tell you what. And and I'm not a cowboy fan. I grew up as a Steelers fan till right. I, I got drafted to the Oilers. I want to ask you about the Steelers then you would, too. Then you would learn. You learn to hate the Steelers. But so the Cowboys. I've never been a fan of the Cowboys. But living in Houston, I think it'll be so great if they made it to the Super Bowl because everybody in Houston is either. They love the Cowboys or they hate the Cowboys. And I can just see people coming down 45, Cowboy flags. Man, and tell, look. I don't want to see that. that. That's why I want to be here. Be I mean, able the city to is going to be, which side of the line you on? I mean, it's, it's just going to be, I think it'll be a it great be atmosphere. Right. That's what I want to see. <laughs> well, you know, I was at the last tailgate. <laughs> you know? I was at the last open tailgate with the, with the Cowboy fans and, and, and the, the Texas and fans. I think and that's when they, and, and that's when like, they started selling tickets to get in. You right. have to show your tickets to get into the to tailgate the tail. because they didn't want it just to be open to anybody after that Cowboy. I, yeah, I know, Texas but that was, again, so that was think, conspiracy I, I anyway. I think that's why you want to have the Cowboys here. Now, depending on who they play, I may root for them, I may root against them because I'm I'm looking at players. It's like I've learned as I got older to to root for the player and not right, the team. So, right. I mean, you got to like and Prescott. The, yeah. You got to like the running back, Ezekiel <clears throat> Elliott. And, and from a Jerry Jones standpoint, here's an older guy. Last 20 years, I mean, out of the, the last 20 drafts, he's probably blew 15 of them. I mean, so all of that bad luck, he just kept doubling down, doubling down, and now he can hit the one big one because it's just pure luck I, I, that you I, draft I, those two guys and they play that well as rookies. There's no way anybody could have predicted it. And it's, well, and it's, Dak especially. I think right, you could. And it's the running back, quarterback, even the, even the running back. I well, mean, you, you, I if, thought if he would thought, have a good year, not you, this kind of year. If you thought he was going to be that big, that good, he would have got picked in the first you know, first pick. But, so but, nobody but, but knew I thought, he was going to no, be that I good. Thought, actually, what I thought was that he, along with Morris, would, that tandem, I thought it would be more of a tandem. 
and to a lesser extent, the DeMarco Murray, Derrick Henry tandem that really didn't – it wasn't much of a tandem all, either because right. because DeMar- DeMarco Murray had an, uh, an outstanding season. Uh, but I thought it would be more running back by committee with those two guys. But you don't expect a rookie running back to, to have that type done. of workload. And, and the guy is just – I mean, what makes him so good, in my opinion, like really watching him because at Ohio State, I'm, I'm – now the team that I absolutely hate out of all teams that ever is the Ohio State. I just yeah. Buckeyes. I don't nothing. No Buckeyes. Period at all. You know what I'm saying? So, but so I didn't watch him a lot in college. So I'm thinking he's going to be more like a like a Mark Ingram, like a you know kind of a, a bigger right. guy who don't have the footwork and the quickness. But this guy has great lateral quickness. Like he can run sideways just as fast as he runs forward, right. and he can make people miss. So it's not that he has the runover ability, which he does. It's his quickness and his foot speed, not the not just the raw speed, and them but gaping the, holes that are always speed. in front of him. Yeah, but still, he <laughs> makes he makes people miss too. So I mean, it's, the good offensive line, true, but trust me, the, the guy is a legitimate running back. I mean, he he's a he's he's a good he's a good player. I mean, Fred Taylor is my like who should be in the Hall of Fame, by the way, and that's gonna be he another might. show. He might. But uh, to me, Fred Taylor's like the the best back ever. I mean, I would take Fred Taylor over <laughs> Barry Sanders. Just what? Yeah. Hold on, wait a minute. Hold on, wait a minute. Taylor is that guy. Eddie, I'm I'm trying to get this podcast (laughs) off the ground. You can't do, you can't have credibility saying it's like that. Yeah, yeah. I said ish, too, by the way. You can't, we can't get this thing flying off the ground. You, 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 you sandbagging the right brothers when you say stuff like that. But but you, but you did but you brought back you did bring up college football hate and I have found myself and maybe this can be my therapy session because I have so many enemies in college football now I hate everybody <laughs> I really do I, okay look there was a game the other day it was a it was an old Big Twelve matchup it was, and then uh, but and uh, it was it was Big Twelve versus oh, the Pac Twelve was, was no. it Colorado and. It, it, yeah, Colorado was in the one. It was one. And but, okay, uh, so Oklahoma here's my State, thing. right? Then Oklahoma, Colorado, Oklahoma State. One of them, but but in, in, but here's 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 the deal. Here's how my my hate goes. Mm-hmm. So my hate started with Arkansas back in the day, leaving the Southwest Conference. Okay, that's a long time ago. Right, never let it go. Never wanted them to be able to recruit Texas again. So then my my hate goes to A and M for leaving the Big Twelve. Okay. Right. Okay. So I and I've been hating pretty good on A and M for a long time. And there are other reasons that what for African Americans to not be for A and M not to be your favorite team. Right. And we know the culture and they you know whatever we know. But they have a black coach, so shouldn't you? Uh, no, 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 so I know, I know. That, does that like reverse the hate a little bit? No, because <laughs> they stole U of H's coach. So I hate them for that. I hate Baylor so the for hate taking. Is renewed. Yeah. So so yeah. You you get points for a day, so we can raise our fist for the movement. We got Kevin Sumlin in there, but they took U of H's coach, so the hate returned. <laughs> so you get a respite from the hate. So then you hate Baylor because Baylor took our brows. Okay. Which they've been from in the you. news this year as well. So now I hate everybody in the Big Twelve. Okay. Okay, because that— Iowa State. You hate Iowa State. Yes, yes. The Cyclones, the worst mascot in all of college football. <laughs> because they ran this farce of a thing thinking that they were going to to expand, and, and they haven't. Mm-hmm. And and they were just running a game, and they toyed they with you. They sold you a dream, H. and you believed they told, it. They sold, yeah, for U of H fans. And, and of course, I say this I'm coming from a place where I'm a 
a U of H fan because I'm a Houston fan. And I'm also a fan of tradition. Eddie, I want to ask you this. And I think HBCUs are one of the last places where you still have some of those traditions. You grew up during the era that I did. And, you I mean, think about what how important, like like the Cotton Bowl. The Cotton Bowl, like, or the, like the Orange Bowl last night. They, it, was anybody, like, changing their plans who didn't go to Michigan or Florida State to watch their game? These games mean – and I, I don't even think it has anything to do with just the championship. It's the elimination of the tradition of what – I mean, you can look at college football, but major how, college but, football. But how long did we complain about the BCS? I understand that. And, and, and I don't have a problem with the playoffs. I like the playoffs. Well, when you had a playoff, you eliminate <clears throat> the value of those – what the New Year's Six Bowls? I don't, I, 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 and you can have value there without them being championship caliber games. I, I, I would still love the Rose Bowl without it being a significant game. The, the issue is they have merged these conferences where they mean nothing. They're mismatched. They're not regional at all. They're not tied to any kind of tradition. Think about this, Eddie. And you can, you're a little bit older. You can reference this. The most one of the most important games every year back in the day was Oklahoma Nebraska. Now we'll never see that game again. You look at not the the Texas Texas A and M game, which won't happen and shouldn't happen uh, for for the foreseeable. I, I said this when A and M went to the SEC. I wouldn't play A and M and Jackson if I was in the Big Twelve. Well, then you had the Florida State Florida and the Florida State Miami <coughs> game because at you know at one point Florida didn't want to play Miami anymore because Florida because Miami got too big and too good for him. Right. So, but to me, I'm I'm like you. I I like it. I liked it better when it was more traditional and regional. And it's just I can remember because as a you can kid, develop different brands of football too, right? And so you're waking up on New Year's morning and you had your whole setup. You know, you, you had the, the whole day. You had the Rose Bowl parade starting in the morning, yep. and you had the Cotton Bowl was the cotton, usually yeah, first. Cotton Bowl was early in the morning, and you came back with the run. It always me being from New Orleans, it always ended with the Sugar, Sugar Bowl, Bowl. or so the Orange Bowl later, right? And, later I, and I can remember, you know, the whole hype of Herschel Walker coming to the Sugar Bowl and Bo Jackson coming to the Sugar Bowl, and all of the great Alabama teams coming to the shoe as a kid you know you always knew it was going to be one of the big teams out the sec that would come to the sugar bowl so you look forward to that and i think with the playoffs i'm i'm totally against the college playoffs i thought they should have kept it with the bcs just from the simple standpoint you know you're starting to treating these kids like professionals but you don't want to pay them like professionals right and so when you start having an extra game and they're already playing 11 games and they're playing a conference championship then they're playing two more I mean, if you had Alabama, you playing fourteen games. You know, right. the professionals only play sixteen. Right. So I mean, let's let's give let's give it a break. What happened to hey, they got to do good on finals? They're student athletes. Now it's like hey, we got to get these extra games in because we get another check that we can make for it. So to major me, I college think, football is just it's just a big time. It's money just a money grab. aspect. And so when people talk about loyalty of players and everything. It's no loyalty to the players. You can lose your scholarship if you don't perform well. Year what, year. what is this? Right. I'm year to year. You come in my living room as a as a high school senior. You tell my mom I'm going to graduate. You're going to take care of me, et cetera, et cetera. And then after my first year, I don't pan out. And then next thing you know, you're telling me that I don't have a scholarship anymore. So wh- where's the commitment and, to and, the player? Yeah. And that's and, my whole thing so, with the mixing thing where now you want to go back. and, and you know, but, but, but when I turn on the TV, it's like, if, if I'm a kid and I grew up in the state of Ohio, for example, if I grew up in the state of Michigan, my dream is to play for Michigan in the Rose Bowl right. or play for Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. That's my dream. Right. So now I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good team. 
you know, but we go to the BCS championship game. So now instead of me playing for Ohio State in the Rose Bowl for a national championship, I'm in a playoff game in Arizona. Then I'm going to the championship here yeah. in Michigan. You know, you're in the Orange Bowl. So it, it's kind of cool in a way because you have different teams. Like, it's no way that a Michigan fan would ever have played in the Orange Bowl. Very same back change in the day, back yeah. in the day. Now you have that matchup. Because you were tied up. in. To, right. You were tied into what you were doing. Yeah, but, you don't remember that. Yeah, but to me, it was it was always cool because you had that Big 8 matchup against an at-large team. So you right. knew it was going to be a Nebraska or, or Colorado. Or Colorado or, yeah, yeah. And they were going to find a Miami or a Penn State or somebody well, going to play yeah, in that it was Bowl. The, it was the Cotton Bowl. You make it to the Cotton Bowl in the Southwest Conference. Well, I mean, I not no disrespect to the Southwest Conference, but I, I can't really remember the last time the Cotton Bowl was a – Factor for the national championship. I mean, it's been a minute, but we yeah, we, like, we ran the seventies. It was our world. The seventies. Earl Campbell. It was that's our world. Like, and the sixties. Like, that's like. Can uh, you say Daryl K. Royal? That's sir? like eight track tape. You talk about the <laughs> SMU hey. program where they were. You know, everybody pulled up in the in the uh, T top. Well, that was every <laughs> everyone in the program. A T top trans. <laughs> that was all those programs like that. But yeah, the whole you you correct the whole Southwest Conference. We all, the, the difference the is for they all told on each other. The SEC never told on each correct. other. Correct, but the Southwest the, Conference was the poster child for cheating. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's out of all the conferences, they had nine team, teams in the conference. One year, every team was on probation except Rice, and it was just happy. eight out of the nine. <laughs> and Rice hadn't won a game, so it's like, hey, so what? What he gonna get you? Oh, he gonna get you a tractor. Well, we get you a tractor in the Trans Am. What he gonna get you? Tractor the Trail. We get you a tractor Trans Am. Handsome, So now I want to ask about the and, and obviously I think you kind of stated where where you are on the players skipping the ball game. And I want to I want to make this clear, and we have historical reference for why these guys. Should, if you ever wonder why these guys, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna give you four words, okay? And you think about this in the grand history of things. The reason why, and, and we know that the you know that your career can be altered in one play. It boils down to these four words: Keith from Good Times. If you remember. <laughs> They he not only was gonna bring himself out of the ghetto, but the whole Evans family was going until he got hurt at the I've wedding. I've actually seen that episode. I haven't seen a <laughs> lot of good times, but I saw that episode like not so, that long ago. Hey, Leonard Fournette, somebody, his, his uncle, his grandma, somebody played that episode for him. McCaffrey and McCaffrey. Get McCaffrey. Hey. He, you know, he liked to swirl. So, you know, maybe daddy liked them or something. And he saw the episode, Keith from Good Time. You, your career, and the man ended up drinking. You know, he had a drinking problem. You remember that? He, he was hiding liquor in the in the toilet. And they said, well, Keith, why are you sitting in the restroom? He ended up drinking because his career over because of JJ. Because of JJ. So, JJ if you want to skip trying to take a picture. What was JJ trying to take a picture or something? Yeah, during the wedding. <laughs> and now, and now they they resign to the ghetto for for all eternity. The, that is the reason why. <laughs> Do you think guys should should skip those bowl games? Uh I mean, it, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, because you <laughs> you you want to leave a legacy. You you want to leave your team better than where you found it. So, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, when you go on the recruiting trail to say, okay, hey, we won the, the whatever bowl, like okay, let's say the Orange Bowl because that was last night. Okay, we won the Orange Bowl. We finished, you know, number five or number four, and number six, somewhere in the top ten in the nation. That helps you with recruiting going forward. 
forward. You have a national profile. You 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 you're showing success. You're showing growth. And and to have guys not play is gonna hurt that recruiting cycle. Is gonna make it more so like the NBA, where it's you know it's one and done, and and you just you're just doing it as a showcase as the NFL. I mean, the whole college system really needs to be revamped. They need to the yeah, NFL. We need to dedicate the NFL a whole needs show to, to do that. like a minor league system or something. I mean, because you have people who don't make grades trying to go to school. Just so they can play football, and it doesn't help the 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 student athletes. It doesn't help the the students. It doesn't help the student student population. It's a it's a whole. I mean, I know it's a money. You know, it's a lot of money for for these institutions, and, and people have this this tradition that they 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 talk about. But it's just it's just getting to a point where, like Eddie said, I mean, they're becoming professionals. They're making they're making career I know, decisions. I know, I know, and it's 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 uh, it's really bad. I think basketball is actually worse. Uh, and how it is. And again, Title Nine. I've always said this. You know, a lot of people, a lot smarter than I have, am, have tried to come up with a with a solution. I think Title Nine is your killer. If you know what, you have to spend whatever you spend on male sports on on female equivalent. And if you can't pay a football player and not pay a volleyball player, that's not going to work legally. So Title IX is a huge, huge deal. I, I don't know what the answer is. I do. I like the fact that these guys make decisions on their own and and stick it to these bowl games. Now, in the grand scheme of things, yeah, you want a guy to you want to finish with your teammates and go to war. But you, you're talking about moral and emotional victories, and you uh, you're dealing with with old gray haired guys and and and. You know, colorful blazers making millions of dollars. This is like if you're on the Orange Bowl committee, that's your job. You know, you're making six figures working on the on the Orange Bowl committee, so you can go somewhere and invite somebody to play in a game. You know, and and whatever else comes with that. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Ed? Well, I mean, I think Keith from Good Times is, is like the that's the classic example. But <laughs> right. also, you know, Willis McGahey. You look at a guy when he tore his knee up with Miami. And uh, wind up still getting picked with 23rd uh, in the draft. But he would have been a top five pick. It's, it, and it was a stretch. I mean, he had to do a whole lot to get back and ready to play. So, I mean, the whole year. Kid got hurt last night for Michigan. Right, right. And that may hurt his draft stat. I'm sure, I'm sure it will, depending on how severe the injury is. And so the the whole year with Fournette, you know, especially him being a kid from New Orleans, following a kid from St. Augustine High School and in the park ball and just the whole – you know, the whole thing with this kid, I'm like, man, this kid needs to make it to the NFL and cash in on all of the, you've been great since the age of eight. Well, that great since the age of eight doesn't pay bills at the age of 22. Right. You know, so everybody's profited from this kid doing well, the high school, the colleges, everybody. So now he needs to profit <coughs> and actually take care of his family. So I'm just thankful that he's made it to this point without getting a major injury. Like Every time he touched the ball, I was like, man, please don't get hurt. Please don't get hurt. You've done enough after your freshman year. Right. to show that you're able to play in the NFL. And so my thing, I think, ultimately, is the kid's going to have to be able to start coming out after two years. I think the three-year rule has to cut back to two. Because if you can run for 1,200 yards, two years against them animals in the SEC, you're good enough to play in the NFL. You don't need to come back for a third year and show me a, a, a third time. And so I think yeah, I, I, I would I would take it maybe a, a step further. Back in the day, and you'll remember this in basketball, if you wanted to go pro, you filed for hardship. And I think that if you want to leave after a couple of years, I think that that will ultimately you should be able to do whatever well, you want to do. Ultimately, that's if if you want to ultimately. But in my football world, if I'm living in this vacuum in this football world that I'm creating, 
Because in reality, if you're 18, you go work wherever they are. Right. Hiding. So if you want to, if you want to put the rubber and let it hit the road, just just tell the story the way it is. There's only two sports where we have this issue, and they're the two sports that are dominated by African Americans, and they're right. the two revenue producing sports. It's right. basketball and football. Right. Baseball, you can get drafted, then you can decide. Do I want to go play? Well, you know the major, NFL ain't going for that. League, or do I want to go and sign this college scholarship based on my draft rating and where I'm at? Right. Hockey, you can come straight out as a high school player. Right. Soccer, you can go sign a professional contract at 15 if you want to. So the purpose of college is to get a good job. Yeah, I'm super pro college. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I'm super get a good job and take care of your family. So how come in the NBA you have to go for one year, which is Nobody's on the academic track for one year. Right. It's, it makes no sense. Right, like right, the big right. kid Ben from LSU, he was like, "Well, I'm going to class in the fall just so I can be eligible from the spring. And once the spring come, I'm not going to class because I'm not coming back next year. I'm not on the academic track. What I'm doing is getting eligible for one year. So you're fooling everybody by saying that this kid needs to come and experience college. You don't experience college now, I, for one fall semester. It's, it's a total waste of time. It's a farce. Well, I will say this, and I, I have seen the NBA precipitously decline because in play because of the, these guys. As a fan of the game, I hate to see these guys come early because it ruins, not only does it ruin college basketball, it ruins the pro game. And I say this all the time because back in the day when these guys went when they came out, they were household names in basketball. You knew every lottery pick. You knew every first rounder. That's because you Be- were younger and you were a bigger fan. Well, back then. but not only that, trust me, they- my son knows every kid that might get drafted out of out of high school or first year guy. He knows them. I, know, I, I knew I, him I, when I was 16, I, I 17, just, 18. I just don't no, keep up with it like that. No, Patrick Ewing was a household name. That, that, that's, that's because he spent three years too many in Georgetown. He should have uh, been in. He should been Elijah in the NBA. But I'm saying, <laughs> but, but think about those matchups. Think about those Elijah Wine should have came out the same year Clyde came out. What he was yeah. waiting for. <laughs> like I said, he went back to the Final Four. So. Exactly. And they didn't win. He should have came out and had one but more year making more it money. It made back. If, if we had not had those years, those golden years of college basketball, we, the NBA wouldn't be where it is now. Hey, man. You and, and the NBA 20 years from now, if they don't do something, it's, it's – whether it's a minor league system. Well, they do have a minor league system. It's called AAU. I mean, come on. These yeah. guys play. You know how many games these kids <laughs> play in a year? AAU has taken over. So now you have 8-year-olds who are in 9 and 10-year-olds who are playing tournaments the whole summer. They're playing 100 games in a year in That's AAU crazy. basketball. That's so you got to think about it. So the kid who only played high school basketball for 25, 30 games maybe and then did recreational and pickup games, of course he's not ready as a high school senior. These kids are so polished. How you thinking Ezekiel Elliott and, and the Prescott can come out because they're doing I mean, all you these had flag. rookies back in the day no, do work. No, it's different. But you got to go. They have these flag football tournaments where they play throughout the year. I know, in Texas, they have tackle football tournaments where kids will play three tackle football games in a weekend. I have a kid on my baseball team that has a tournament February 18th. Come on, man. That's the Super Bowl is over. You still playing tackle football. So, <laughs> so they're, getting, they're getting so many reps at an early age. And I'm and I'm not saying like we got reps because we were outside going from the you know from the light pole to the car to see who scored a touchdown. Right. They're getting organized coached reps. Right. My base my select baseball team, we play fifty baseball games a year at, at the age of nine, 10, 11, 12. So That's by the time they eighteen That's not too much, man. They're I mean, polished. They're already ready. But I'm saying So my thing, so why are you making these kids go to high, go to college 
and they don't want to be there. They're trying to get to the NFL. So because, let them go where they okay, need to go. Again, they can. But there is value in going to college. What? There is, what and is that, the value? Learning how to behave. Learning how to socially interact. Be exposed to a broader range of society. We always make fun of the athlete that can't talk and can't walk and can't, you know, it just just hood and, and some of the people you ain't gonna change anyway. Right. But you have to expose them to something. But everybody's you, you not everybody's kids. not college material. Right? I agree with if that. If I can make nine out of ten three pointers, I'm not college material. You know what I am? I'm NBA material <laughs> because I've honed my skill at shooting that basketball more than I'm ever gonna learn a trigonometry question or equation. So I need to go to the NBA. It's not you just about the learning in the classroom. It's about it's societal learning. I, it's about. I totally understand. The, the 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 man I am today is because of my four years at a HBCU at Alabama State, learning how to go through the registrar's office and being told three times that I'm in the wrong place by three different old ladies and sending me back across campus and not getting frustrated and know how to manage to actually get my schedule finally registered so I can make it to football practice on time. Those were priceless moments. Okay, <laughs> my my coach. <laughs> making me go talk to different Boy Scouts and church groups and all that type of stuff. I never wanted to broadcast games on ESPN or do anything like that. It's just I, I couldn't talk that well. I mean, I was a good talker, but, you know, once I started doing that because my college coach made me, he would take me to a, to a church and say, hey, my, I got my player Eddie Robinson here. He's going to tell you about the defense. He'll sit down. I'm like, hey, man, I thought I was just here to, you know, show and tell. Yeah, I got to talk. So, but those type of things I learned in college. And if I would have went straight to the NFL, you correct I wouldn't have learned those things. But what if I'd have got hurt my second year in college and never made it to the NFL because of an injury and you I never made the money? You still be on the Sports Talk with Dem Way podcast. <laughs> so, hey, we've come full circle. I wouldn't circle. have any credibility, though. You'd be like, hey, this guy who was, uh, you know, swack. Uh, did you even play in the swack? You know what I'm saying? Right, <laughs> that right. type of thing. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I mean, point it's, taken. It's, but It's both sides to the coin. But my thing is, I think, because it's to me, the, the biggest thing is because if you had it in every sport, and I would agree with it. But when you right. have guys in baseball and hockey and other sports that can explore can and come it. back, yeah. then that's when I have a problem with because now you're singling out the two sports that are predominantly African-American and the two sports where socioeconomically the people who are playing those sports who need the money the most, who families. I mean, you right, got kids right. who I can't afford to take my girlfriend out to to eat dinner after the game, but everybody got my jersey on, right. and I can't even sell my jersey on eBay to make money to take out to the game. Right, right. But then I can't so get a job the, because yeah. my coach got me doing this, this, and this. And then you tell me wait three years to go to the NFL and hope you don't get hurt. Come on, yeah. Man. I mean, I, 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 I agree in the real world, but I'm just saying as a, a sports fan. I mean, nothing, nothing that you're saying is, is wrong. Uh, the, like I said, the only thing is it would, and I, and again, I think these are two separate discussions when you talk about football and, and basketball. I think the likelihood of getting that career-ending injury in basketball is, you know, minuscule compared to football. But and that was a discussion we can have uh, moving forward. Right now, I'm going to take a brief time out of music break. Obviously, we lost a lot of people in 2016. When we come back, uh, we want to go up, you know, talk a little about a little bit about some of the people. Uh, that were lost in 2016 as we get geared up for 2016-17 and, and moving forward. We're going to play some Prince right now. going to get some music on and uh, pay homage to uh, what the most popular musician we lost in 2016. You're listening to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Podcast.
Welcome back to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Just to remind you guys, you can uh, tweet me at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D. And, of course, you can find me on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group. And, uh, again, hey, on TuneIn, iTunes, and SoundCloud, I'd love to hear from you guys with any questions or comments or interactions. Well, with the uh, the the end of 2016, last show of the year, we're 12 hours away here. I'm, I'm telling you exactly, we're 12 hours away uh, from 2017. Lost a lot of people in uh, in 2016. Craig Sager, Muhammad Ali, Rashawn Salam is the guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you know him at all? Not personally, but a uh, good buddy of mine, Chris Hudson. They actually played together in uh, in college. So, yeah, oh, now Hudson played at mm-hmm. Worthen. Yep, Worthen product. Yep. Yeah, what is he up to these days? Chris Hudson lives in Memphis. He's doing a good job, uh, you know, taking care of his family, uh, real estate and stuff like that. Yeah, he played on the same team as uh, one of my boys I played. Jim ball. Thorpe Award winner. So, yeah, yeah, and, and that was at Colorado. And actually, uh, he was the uh, – Salam was the with the first – he may have been the only Heisman Trophy winner at Colorado. Yeah, has he it, has it been another one? No, yeah. nobody else. But I, I think that, the you know, obviously the, the biggest loss was Muhammad Ali. And, and talk a little bit about what that – Meant because I think that has ramifications moving forward because we saw a lot more activism, mm-hmm. not only because of social media, but I do think being inundated over and over again with all of these messages about Muhammad Ali's life after he passed away affected these guys to want to reach out and do something when they see that his life, he's judged by what he did after he was in the game. He's judged more. His life is all about, you know, what he became as a man and what he did for others. I think that awakened a lot in, in people. What were your thoughts on that? Well, I think Muhammad Ali has to be, you know, the the athlete of the century. I mean, simply because of everything that he stood for, and he was really ahead of his time as far as being an outspoken African-American athlete who was taking on social and political issues, which really wasn't done be, by then. You know, back then, the, the black athlete was more or less, you played the sport and then you went and sat down. Right. You know, we don't need to hear anything from you unless you're talking about the game that you just played. And that's pretty much the place where the black athlete was. But, of course, in the 60s with the whole activism, the Vietnam War. Bill Russell, Jim Brown. Correct. And so I I think it's great that – and it wasn't just Ali. So I don't want to, you know, discredit other athletes who did stand up and and speak out against everything that was going on, you know, whether it was going against the political – uh, system at the time uh, against the segregation system at the time, just everything. So, Baham- Muhammad Ali would, as a kid, you know, I can remember him coming to New Orleans with the big fight against Leon Spinks. Right, and I actually and I actually met him. I like I touched mm-hmm. his hand. I'm like, oh, I touched Muhammad Ali's hand. So, right. as, a, as a kid, you know, you knew Muhammad Ali because he was this great athlete. Of course, I didn't understand anything about the boxer and the Viet Cong and everything. Right. I, I didn't understand any of that. I mean, I was just looking at a great boxer. Right. And that's what I knew of him. But as you got older, I mean, I understood a lot of the things that he had he had done outside of the ring, you know, while he was playing, you know, his license being taken from him, you know, right. not being able to box, you know, being jailed, all of those type of things. And I think a lot of the younger kids in the 15 to 20 to 25 range didn't realize that Muhammad Ali was vilified. He was hated by the oh, establishment. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. you know, white America did not like Muhammad Ali. It was a lot of black America who didn't like Muhammad Ali because, they because of the name change, because of being a Muslim, because right. of 
everything not speaking up for the U.S. You know, he talked bad about George Foreman. And, you know, just you can go on and on and on. So I think when kids started to reflect and say, wow, man, Muhammad Ali, I just thought this guy was a great boxer. No, this guy was a great activist. I mean, he was him being an activist was probably just as big, if not bigger, as him being well, a boxer. Well, it much, yeah, it ended up being much bigger, his activism, and to see the tributes paid to his life. Now, where but I— now, But now he, he's considered a hero. So right. I, I think when you look at a Kaepernick, it's kind of like, can I put myself and be the guy who takes— you know, because you're giving a lot of money, you're giving a lot of prestige, you're giving a platform to talk, especially now with social media. Right. So it's like, how do you use it? Do you just take the money, put it in your back pocket, and say, hey, thank you guys, I'm out of here. The rest, well, we've been the rest, critical the rest of y'all, the rest decades, of y'all struggle. But Muhammad Ali was the guy that, I mean, it was, it was to the point where he didn't have any money, that he couldn't box because of his political views, and he was not backing down and never backed down. So, I mean, a guy like that, I mean, you have to tip your hat off to this guy just from— right. And then he was the people's champ because we always love the guy. You know, America doesn't love the guy that, that goes 100-0. and 0. Right. We want the guy to take one on the chin. What's going to happen when your butt hit the camps? Are you going to be a tough guy? And Muhammad Ali was a tough guy. He took some beatings, yeah. but he always bounced back. And he was always, always had the, the big—he took humility with dignity. Like, when he lost— it was still a sense of pride. He was never defeated. Yeah. He but lost, I will but he say wasn't this. defeated. You know? I, I would say this. And, and I was, a, like everybody else, a huge, huge Ali fan growing up. Everybody was. I mean, in my generation. Because we didn't, again, we came after all of the hubbub. With, all with, we saw with, was the great athlete. Right. We, and, we and, missed all of the and what was, stuff. Right. Even the Decon pest control commercials. Right. I don't remember. Yeah. You remember them? With the yellow shirts? Yeah. You <laughs> knocked the bugs out. But, as you look a little bit more and you realize now I read what what really changed a lot for me was reading the autobiography of Joe Frazier and what he put Joe Frazier through. I mean, there's a lot of layers there and, and there's a, a lot to make you say, you know what? He didn't have to do that. I think he, and, and I he, think he made, he, he definitely made that. mistakes. Yeah. He, and he I made think those mistakes. He, I think him and Joe have had that moment and I, I hope that. Well, both if you did. watched the last documentary right before Joe died, Joe hated him. Look, I in my Hall of Fame of hate, the the, the number one statue go to Joe Frazier. He hated Ali to the day he died. They look. They said he did these events so because see, of the you money. Saying, you say like the Dave Chappelle, the hater of war, hater of the year war. He the hater of the haters. He's I'm the saying hater of the hater of the century. You have to admire somebody that can hate that much. You know, you hated over forty years and you beat the guy once. Yeah, you know I, I mean? I'm gonna tell you what my my read that book though. By the way, still smoking the autobiography. Oh yeah, my, look here. My my name on uh on Twitter is Smoking Joe. Is is e, is that E Rob fifty? But after that is Smoking right, Joe. Right. I, I love Joe Frazier. I love Joe Frazier. And too. I think you have to appreciate the type of <coughs> boxer and the champ and the determination he had. And you're right, because he could not understand, like, why was this guy being so brash and so to the left and just so over the top when Joe Frazier gave this guy a second chance? Gave like, him hey, money. I'm, gave him a, a, a shot at the belt. Right. And so it's like, even after all of that, it's like, and and I think he never realized, and I, and I'm I, not speaking for Muhammad Ali, but looking at it, and of course I'm not an expert on it, but for, I think Muhammad Ali was more focused on him, which the light was always shining right. on him. Right. And I don't think he realized how much the things, the words he was saying was really affecting Joe, Joe Frazier. Frazier. I mean, right. I know he was talking trash, and he saw, hey, I'm just talking trash, I'm being me. But at the same time, you 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 making this guy hurt. You know, not right. with your fist, but with your mouth. And right. I think that's one thing that we can also learn from Muhammad Ali is that the things that we say 
can definitely affect another person in a, in a bad way, and you have to correct that. And I think Ali realized that, hey, you know what? I took the Joe Frazier thing too far and too personal. Right, right, I mean, because right. he was – I mean, he was cutting Joe like to the bone. I mean, yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah, took, yeah. he took no prisoners. Yeah, 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 he did. <laughs> and the things it made Joe's life hard and hard for his kids because he was calling him Uncle Tom right. and all of those things. Very, very hurtful, hurtful things that are hard to to understand why why you went that everything. way. Right. Yeah, and yeah. then you know you play you you're almost playing the 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 skin color game, and, yep. and that's been a, uh, that's a constant issue even to this, this day. Uh, those sorts of things. Uh, other people we lost, Aaron Pryor in boxing. Pat Summit in basketball, what she did for basketball. Buddy Ryan, although we, we mm-hmm. had a chance to really have a conversation about him. Uh, who else? Uh, Pearl Washington, the basketball player. Syracuse, when we talking about college basketball, when the Big East was the Big East. Right. You know, the Big, and, the Big and East he, tournament was something. That's another thing. You got your popcorn. Yeah. You sat down that, that Saturday morning. You didn't move. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Our Bud Collins from, from the tennis world, Arnold Palmer, mm-hmm. uh, of course, the the most popular golf of all time. Yeah. You know that preceded Tiger Woods, uh, Gordy Howe, who played here uh, in the late seventies with his son. So a lot of losses this year in the entertainment world. Uh, obviously, Prince, big, big, a big, big deal. Uh, the loss of, of Prince. Uh, what, what, who, who's the one you'll miss the most out of all? I mean, bar none as far as sports and, and entertainment, whatever. Well, it's kind of hard to say because Muhammad <clears throat> Ali, you know, my grandmother passed away this year and she uh, suffered from Alzheimer's. So the last four years, although I could go to New Orleans and see her, she wasn't the grandmother that I knew who came to my Super Bowl games and came. she came to every, you know, she just flew around the country with my mama watching me play. And so... Same thing with Muhammad Ali. He wasn't the Ali that we knew. So you kind of like you you kind of saw the transition before it happened. So it wasn't like a, a a big shock because he wasn't you know the Ali that we knew back then. So I think Prince was the guy. Prince was the first concert that I ever went to. Purple Rain concert came to New Orleans. I was on the floor of the Superdome. My dad worked at the Superdome, and yeah. I, I wasn't. I was a big you know hip hop or Run DMC fan. It was like '84. I was right, like 14 right, years right, old. Right. So Prince came out, man, and then at the end, I remember the concert like yesterday. He threw flowers all over everybody, and he took the guitar and he sprayed water all over people. Yeah. I'm sorry, it was some type of uh, some sexual gesture that, right, I didn't right, right, right. but I, I, I was oh, Prince put water on me for the guitar. <laughs> like so it was just like it was probably I just I mean I was a Prince fan ever since. I mean I think you gotta love Prince. I mean I, out of all yeah. of the people. I mean, music is one of those things that, you know, it transcends race, color, generations. Right, right. It can really unite people. So I think it's one of those things when you hear a Prince song, it doesn't matter who you are. It's something that you it, it takes you back to a moment. The first time I heard Purple Rain, I was with this girl from eighth grade. Man, she was cute. So yeah, right, it, right. it puts you in a certain place. So I think it puts a smile on your face. Well, you know, in, in uh, last night inside the Friday Express, my musical show here in Houston, I, I did. I did the Eagles. Glenn Fry passed this way uh, this year. I can't tell you why. And one of these nights, played Natalie Cole, who died a year ago today. David Boyd died. Yeah, David Boyd died. Played some David Boyd last night. Uh, Maury's wife for Earth, Wind, and Fire. Mm-hmm. And you realize how much I love. You know, I love Earth, Wind, and Fire. And I love Philip Bailey, but I love my favorite Earth, Wind, and Fire songs. Uh, uh, Maury's white song, right. so Kashif and and other people, a uh, PM Don, the guy, uh, a, a trail quarters. So a lot of losses. We're gonna leave people with a little bit of music. Any predictions for 2017, real quick? Well, I'm gonna say the Cowboys will be in the Super Bowl in Houston. I can't say they're gonna win, but they'll be there. And I'm gonna go out on a limb. I think the Rockets 
You know, I, I never thought that a basketball team can win shooting jump shots, but Golden State proved us wrong. The Rockets, are, man, they, they're going to be close to averaging 43-point attempts per game, and they got about six guys who can fill it up. So I'm, I'm thinking the Rockets are going to get to the finals, and I, I'm thinking Rockets and Cleveland in the, in the NBA finals. Okay, my prediction for this year, my big, big prediction, uh, if I had to think about anything in the world sports, I think we'll see Floyd Mayweather fight again. Not that I want to, uh, and I don't think I don't think the Cowboys or the Patriots will win the Super Bowl. I'll <laughs> stick by that. Now we'll do a lot more um, uh, moving forward. Uh, coming podcast, we'll break down some playoff talk and and get into some other things as the Super Bowl gets ready to head this way. Before I get out of here, how can people reach you? Uh, Instagram and Twitter: erob50, erob50. Real simple. Well, hey, Biscuit had to get out of here, and we have to get him on social media somehow. Want to remind you guys, of course, you can get the podcast. Uh, we'll, as long as I'm healthy, we'll, we'll we'll get them out to you guys. On TuneIn, Sports Talk with Devin Wade uh, on iTunes and, of course, on SoundCloud. And you probably know that because you're probably listening to to us on one of those outlets as well. Want to thank you, Eddie. Happy New Year. I'm, I'm always appreciative of your time. Just such good organic conversation, and we get some insight from a guy who, who spent many years in the NFL. Happy New Year's to you and your family. Um, want to thank everybody who supported the podcast and listened to me on KTSU Sports Talk each and every Saturday. Want to remind you guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D, and, of course, on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group. Thanks a lot. Have a safe and happy New Year's Eve. We'll see you in 2017. Thank you so much for your support. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast.